0: Welcome to Slaking Thirsts, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. For those of you who are following along in the, uh, the, the book, looking at the text there, you can see maybe that I used... The shorter version of the gospel option tonight. Not because I have anything against the rest of the gospel from, uh, from Luke. It's extraordinary. It's good. God, it was really, really good. I, uh, I just didn't have a word on any of the other longer parts. So go ahead and read the longer part tonight as part of your homework. Uh, just read the longer form of the gospel tonight. Maybe pull up uh, the USCCB website. Anyway, what I want to talk about tonight does come from this section from Jesus in this gospel where he talks about these servants girding their loins, lighting their lamps, being ready to open when the Master returns. I want to talk tonight about this connection of openness and faith in our hearts. That's, that's, the, uh, that's the stew that we're making tonight, just so you know, just so you have a sense of where we're going, all right? I think that's helpful sometimes. All right, so I want to start with this. A number of years ago, Pope Benedict, in one of his homilies, I think it was a Holy Week homily, no, um, an Easter season homily, he was reflecting on the gospel where Jesus has that encounter with the man who is deaf and mute. And he approaches the man and he uh, pulls the guy off to the side and he sticks his fingers in the guy's ears. He spits on the ground. He touches the guy's tongue. And for 2,000 years, the, the, the uh, translators of the scriptures, they have preserved the original Aramaic, that it says he groans and says, Ephatha. And they give the translation, which means that is be opened. Be opened. Pope Benedict, and his reflections on this, he said that that one groan, that one word bubbling up from the heart of Jesus, Christ the bridegroom, the sacred heart of Jesus, is in a certain sense, as he says, a summary, a distillation, a, like a one-word summary of the entire mission of the Messiah. That he came to coax an openness out of the heart of humanity, out of the heart of his bride. Like, yes, of course he came to defeat and confront our enemy, right? That's one of the things we hear in First Timothy, that the reason the Son of Man appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. That's right in the Scripture, right? That part of his messianic mission was to confront the enemy, to overthrow the kingdom of darkness, to, to capture uh, to... To, to liberate us from our captor, right? To bring us from slavery into freedom. But there was more than that, right? It wasn't just simply the defeat of sin and death. It wasn't simply the rescue from the clutches of hell. If you look at the book of Revelation, right, the culmination of the scriptural revelation, you see Christ the, you see Christ as this warrior, Christus Victor, right? combating and conquering the enemy. He confronts the great dragon, throws him down, but then it doesn't stop there. Then it leads right into the great wedding feast, the wedding supper of the Lamb, that Christus Victor, Christ the warrior, becomes Christus Sponsus, Christ the spouse. That the the confrontation, the battle that he wages, is for the sake of rescuing his bride, to bring her into communion, to offer to her his his gift of divine life. Like the battle is the first foray which leads into communion that his deepest desire his law his heart longs to be received by his bride. Like please open to receive the gift I wish to bestow upon you, the gift I wish to bestow in you, the transformation I want to affect in you, a transformation unto glory. Like that's what this whole Christian life is about, folks, right? Like It's not just simply about being good so that when you die, you can finally go to that heavenly place. It's a transformation that begins now. Catherine of Siena said that heaven starts now. The road to heaven begins now. That the transformation unto glory begins now. Like, every part has to be touched by the gospel. Like, zoom out for a second here to get a a more cosmic view, a more sweeping view of this story. Like, This is the entire story of salvation history, beginning in Genesis, culminating in Revelation, that you have humanity constituted in perfection in Eden, planted in the garden in the beginning. And humanity originally stood in this posture of perfect openness, perfect docility, perfect receptivity to the divine gift. But then there's another actor who comes upon the stage, the enemy, who because he hates our human nature, he hates our destiny suggested to Adam and Eve a question that gave birth to doubt and fear in their hearts. What he, what he suggested is that like, perhaps God isn't who you think he is. Perhaps he isn't as good of a giver as you think he is. Perhaps I think he's actually holding out on you. And out of that doubt arose fear, and out of that fear arose this grasping. And they cowered, and they caved, and they hid themselves. They closed themselves off. This is the heritage of sin that we have. So what original sin is, it's this closed posture before the generous, good, and merciful heart of the Father. It's a fear that says, I don't trust what's coming from you. There's a skepticism. And all throughout the Old Testament, what you see there is a God who is so patiently trying to woo the heart of his bride, to woo humanity, back out of hiding, back into this posture, of openness, this posture of trust, this posture of surrender. Like that song that Holly was singing at the beginning of Mass. It was so perfect. It's like like there's like a Holy Spirit or something planning this out. But I surrender. I surrender. She's singing that over and over again. I surrender. All right, so let's, like, what is this openness? What is this openness that he desires in us? It's, it's I open myself To let you in, to let you see and know everything. I open myself to give you access, to let myself be affected and touched by your grace, to be touched by you, right? All the places where I've built walls, all the places where I keep everything out, I've buried everything in the crawl spaces of my heart. Like, I let you in to see my greatest shame, my greatest wounds, my greatest fears, all that. I open myself to experience your love there, Right, that's, that's the Father's desire just about more than anything, I think, that he wants us to have the visceral experience of being touched by mercy in the place where we are most miserable, where we're most afraid. That's what the word mercy means. Misericordia, a heart given to misery. That's what the word mercy means. St. Augustine said centuries ago, he said, I gazed into my deepest darkness, into my deepest sin, And I saw you there, and it dazzled me. To discover that we can be loved in the places where we are most convinced we're unlovable is an astonishing thing, right? And it's further, the openness is more than just simply that. It's more than just simply letting the Lord into our hearts, but it's I open myself. I'm open to surrendering control. That right there, this is a hard one. This is a hard one. To letting you lead, Lord, to to going where you point out to take myself out of the driver's seat, to take myself out of the, yeah, out out of the authority, right, to let the Lord lead. Lord, I'm open to your plans. I'm open to your ways. I'm open to your inscrutable, mysterious ways. I'm open to doing things your way. I'm open to, I'm open to your outcomes. I'm open to not knowing why things happened the way they happened. I'm open to that, Like, there's so much in us that, like, seeks to be in control. Like, Lord, but I'm willing to take the risk and let you have your way in me. But that's Abraham. He was open to let the Lord have his way. He took the risk. You know, never in the scriptures do we see God spelling the whole thing out from start to finish. This is part A. This is part B. This is part C. We're going to go here. We're going to go here. We're going to go here. And then we're going to end up here. He doesn't do that. He shines just enough light that's like a few feet in the path in front of you and says, Will you keep walking? You heard in that second reading, because he trusted in the goodness of the one who made the promise, he was willing to go. Because I trust the one who's shining the light on the path in front of me, that his heart is for me, that he's good, that he's not going to lead me into ultimate destitution, ultimate failure, ultimate demise. He's leading me into glory. Even though it might feel like it's the valley of darkness, like the Father's asking, Are you going to remain open? Like that dependent, that trusting, will you risk being open? Why am I talking about all this? Why am I talking about all this? Well, in the gospel that we just heard, we hear Jesus talking about these servants and what they're supposed to be doing in the meantime as they're awaiting the Master to return. This is us. They're supposed to have their loins girt, their lamps lit, which is a symbol of our readiness, of our hearts burning. And he says, when the master knocks on the door, they are to open immediately and let him in. Like, friends, that's faith. Oh, man, that willingness to open immediately. I don't often open immediately. This is a parish of incredible faith. This is a parish of deep faith, of deep piety. I've heard it. I've seen it in action. I hear it in your hearts being poured out in the confessional. And I, what I heard this week as I was wrestling with the Lord, as I was grieving some things in my life, as I was turning things over, I heard the Lord saying to us, saying to me that the Father is saying, I want more for you. Not, I want more from you, hear me carefully, it's not I'm disappointed in you, I want more from you. No, it's I want more for you. I want to take you deeper, I want to take you further. And the word that the Father kept saying to me was the word risk. We need more risky Catholics. People who are willing to risk putting out into the deep, risk opening the door. Guys, in this fallen world, there, there is so much disappointment. It seems like it looms around every single corner. Like where relationships fall apart, where vows fall apart, where friends betray, where love doesn't seem to last, where loved ones die unexpectedly, where longed-for pregnancies end in miscarriage, where all sorts of things, where it seems like the most beautiful things come crashing down, and it seems like the most rational thing to do is to just simply wall ourselves off. Don't open the door to your heart. Don't let anybody in. Don't just let them knock on the outside of the door. I'm not opening myself up to that. It's too scary. It hurts too much. What's going to happen if I let him into that? What if it's, What's going to happen if I let him into my heart? Isn't he, isn't he going to be repulsed by what he sees? Or, or worse, isn't he, won't he surely start leading me into places where there's just going to be pain he leads me somewhere where there's suffering. What if he leads me to open myself up to something and he gives me something only to take away at the last second? There's so much fear. The way, the way that I think a lot of us sinners, myself included, often live our faith is by looking through the peephole in the door. You know, like at a hotel, the little hole in the door, we look through the peephole and like, I see you there, Jesus. But I am not opening this door. I hear you knocking. I'll respect you. I'll worship you. I'll say a thousand pious prayers to keep you at bay, to convince myself that I'm a good Catholic. But I just don't want you to get that close to my heart. I don't want you to get that close to my life. I don't want you to get that close to my plans. I don't want you to get that close to my future, my hopes, my dreams, my fears. I don't want you to get that close to my marriage. I don't want to lose control. And the reason why we think this is because so many of us have the experience of vulnerability leading to just pain. You let yourself be open and you get hurt. Because nowhere in this world can we find perfect love. That's just the truth. Every single person, every single person is only able to give an imperfect love. And our hearts were made for perfect love. So we get conditioned to be disappointed, and we get conditioned to defend ourselves. We get conditioned to preemptively protect ourselves from pain by not being vulnerable. We stop taking risks. And then the enemy whispers things like, it's best that you keep him at a distance. It's best that you don't get too serious, that you don't let him get too close, because... He, just like everyone else, will hurt you. He's going to ask you to do something, and it's going to hurt. He's going to look at something, and it's going to hurt. And the enemy just convinces us, keep the door closed. Stay behind those walls. That's safe. And the reality is, we are not safe behind the walls. We're suffocating behind the walls. We're just building our own coffin when we do that. If you want love, you have to have vulnerability. If you want life, you have to have vulnerability. You have to take the risk. On the other side of the greatest, the biggest, scariest things, that's where the greatest rewards are. It's always beneath the dragon that the gold is guarded. (laughs) Friends, this gospel that we just heard, it's not just something that happened 2,000 years ago. It's, It's happening right now in this Mass. It's unfolding in this Mass. Like some of us have kept Jesus at such a distance for so long that we don't even know how to begin to, like, let him get close. What would that even look like? Some of us have kept him at a distance for so long and we've just convinced ourselves, I guess I'll just have a lot of casual contact with him for the rest of my life and hopefully that'll be enough. I promise you that the Lord's not disappointed in us if we've lived our faith looking through the peephole of the door. Remember St. Paul, when he's describing love, the first thing he says is love is patient. Love is patient. Like he just waits and knocks because he knows how fearful our hearts are. And then the second thing he says, love is kind. But the love that's waiting for us on the other side of that door, that's begging us to take the risk, is patient and kind. That's who's here. That's who's come for us in this Mass. Maybe you're sitting here right now thinking, I have no idea. I have no idea what he's talking about. That's okay. Maybe you're sitting there thinking, I don't even know how to do that. I'm just going to end this homily. I'm going to invite us to enter into a few moments of silence and to let the Holy Spirit engage our imagination. I think we moderns are just so skeptical of our imagination that we think our imagination is just like sheer fantasy land. It's not. It's it's the faculty of our soul that God has given us for him to interact with us. I want us to let the Holy Spirit engage our imagination. I just want you in the silence, maybe close your eyes, just see yourself standing behind the door. You hear the knocking and you just open the door ever so slightly. I want you to notice what happens. Notice what happens in his eyes the moment that the door is opened. You see Jesus standing right there. Notice how his face lights up. And then the question then at that point is, what will we do next? That's the question. Amen.